This episode of The Checkout is brought to you by eSuite. Whether you're a retailer looking to grow your team or you're an e-commerce gun looking for your next role, eSuite are here to help. At eSuite, we connect fast-growing retailers with the best Australian e-commerce talent. We're working with some of the best in the business, including Accent Group, InQ, Oz Hair and Beauty, and Black Milk. So if you are in the market or interested in where the e-commerce market is at, reach out. Visit eSuiteTalent.com.au for all the latest job listings or contact me directly on Nathan at eSuiteTalent.com.au. Now, let's get into today's checkout. Welcome to The Checkout. We catch up with previous Add to Cart guests and ask them five quick questions to get to know them better and leave you with a little extra inspiration to get you through your Friday. Today's checkout features Alex Sinikas, who is the co-founder and engineer at Milk Drop. Milk Drop is changing the way breast pumps work for women by redesigning the pump from the nipple up. And as you'll hear from Alex, they have a much bigger mission at play. Established in 2019, Milk Drop has already attracted funding, won the Amazon Launchpad, worked closely with universities and won government grants. All right, Alex, welcome to the checkout. We're going to learn some things about you on our Friday morning. Question number one, what's the weirdest thing that you've ever bought online? Oh, we bought... We. I'm already deflecting the blame. <laughs> Here we go. I bought, I bought what we call Artemis, mm. who is our breast model on a... Um, oh, I didn't even know what... It's like Alibaba or something. As, we, as long as it's not like wish.com. No, but it did it did screw up our because it was both me and my co-founder Ravi because we're both searching for this for something that we could use to test our pump on. And it's just like a silicon breast. And so yeah, we were trying to find lifelike silicon breasts as opposed to porn-like silicon breasts. And it just went down places I've never been before. Oh. And pricing and I it was super weird anyway um yeah that's probably the weirdest thing I've ever bought online but but she did arrive and um we we use her so it's I guess worth it <laughs> ends justifies the means and why Artemis oh we just felt like she you know she needed a goddess style name and she needed to be majestic and Artemis seemed like the most dignified sort of name we could we could give her because um, we thought that yeah, she needed to be respected. It's it's sort of a bit weird when you're working in a lab with with breasts and um yeah, we just wanted to I don't yeah, know make it a I little like less it. weird. I yeah. like it. I like yeah. it. Um, I could imagine you had to clear your search history after that one. I I did. I'm never really sure if that clears it though. You know, I <laughs> I don't understand how that stuff works. I'm sure someone knows somewhere. Just go on what ads you served up afterwards. <laughs> um, number two, who is your favorite retailer? I would say. There's a little coffee store in Melbourne called Market Lane. They they roast their own coffee and they have a you know flagship store, but they also have small stores set up around Melbourne, one on Faraday Street, if anyone's ever been there, which is just a window. And the reason why I love them is because they have this attention to detail and everything is beautifully and perfectly done with, with so much of everything that they do in the mind of the customer. Um, and it's just imbued throughout the people that work there. You know, you never get a stroppy person. They're always delighted to see you. I just think that they have they have somehow figured out this culture of beautiful design and, and high-quality product that I always 
try to kind of go back to them when I'm struggling with that. Um, so it's not it's not like a full retailer in the traditional sense, but I, I think that they do a really brilliant job. Are you attracted to other retailers who have strong design aesthetics and principles? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I've got it. I've, I've, I mean, I'd have to shout out to Adore Beauty. I think that the way that they um, have set up their business again with the experience of the woman in mind, all of the educational stuff they put around it, you know, they, they're sort of mm. gold standard in that area. Um, you know, imagine if you were that good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Number three, which retail fad do you wish was history? I don't know if it's a fad because it's been around for a long time, but I really, really dislike fast, cheap products. And I think that we're starting to see that change, you know, with environmental need. You know, I think that we should be making things once, preferably from things that can be fully recycled, making them well and not not sort of throwing them away. And I think I think that is starting to kind of have its rebirth. I, but it's still not there yet and um, we're going to have to solve that in the next 10 years. So, yeah, I wish that was history. From a design perspective, as, a, as an engineer and a designer, mm. is it actually, does it take a lot more effort to design things that are sustainable than no. not sustainable? No, actually, it's on the commerce side that the trouble is. So, you know, in your design, you just change the requirements. You know, in, in, in structures, for example, we design sometimes for a 300-year life or a 100-year life or whatever. The, the catch, and, and you can do the same for products, like we've designed this cushion to last the entire pumping journey. The catch is that it costs more. Mm. So in the long run, you know, this is a, a, at the moment it's, it's $79 and that puts people off. But if you weigh it up against the times you don't have to replace it, the fact that we will pick it up and recycle it on batch, it's cheaper for the planet and it's cheaper for you in the long run. But getting that messaging across and having people um, be comfortable with that, it just takes a little bit longer. And so the easy thing to do is say, oh, well, I'll just make, I'll mm. make a simpler, thinner one. And, you know, my business will be healthier because I've got repeat customers. And so that there's, there's commercial drivers in there that actually change how you design. And I think um, so consumers have a lot more power than they realize if they really want to change the products that are designed for them, they can they can vote with their feet a little bit. It's, um, it's kind of hard if it's yeah if if it's not there, but you can choose what you buy and try and choose the things that will last. Yeah, absolutely. All right, number four. Can you recommend a book or a podcast that our listeners should immediately get into? Yeah, I mean, I love. There's a podcast called Cautionary Tales, which is stories of failure, but they're told really in a really really interesting way. I don't think and this is helping your to... dwelling on failure that we're talking about on the main episode. <laughs> oh, they're not really failure. Like there's one about um, a, a cult that believed that the end of the world was coming in the 20s or something. And um, there was a reporter who infiltrated this group because he wanted to see what would happen when the world didn't come and how the end of the world, sorry, didn't come and how the group of people that absolutely believed this would, like, would they change their mind? Would they be like, oh, I was wrong? Or would they you know, how would they react? And um, mm. it, how they reacted was that they they just said, oh, it was it was the wrong date, you know? So they never, and, and I think that you see that in modern, in the modern world as well. Like these days, especially people will make an opinion and back it up with random evidence rather than look at the evidence and form an opinion. And I, I think like there's all these little interesting 
quirks of human nature in that podcast that I love. And also it's nothing to do with business and it's nothing to do with engineering. <laughs> it's just human behavior. And I, I find it um, absolutely fascinating. That's brilliant. I'm going to have to have a look because I think yeah. so. I was actually discussing it with someone this morning yep. is that you can pretty much say anything at the moment and find some source that will back yep. you up. Oh, yeah. Yep. This, is, this is, I think, the single biggest problem of our time is we are now arguing over what is fact. I think Richard Flanagan said it really well in some podcast a little while ago. He's a Tasmanian author and he was saying that there was some data that had come out from the meteoro- the Australian Meteorological Service. What is it? BOM, Bureau mm. of Meteorology. And they were talking about the temperature records in a city and how they were rising over time. And this was a few years ago and a politician said, oh, no, they weren't, they weren't correct. And so this was like the first time a couple of years ago where we're saying actually our data is not, you know, we're not actually trusting our data. So when you do that, what have you got to go back on mm. you can't have a rational argument about it because you don't even agree on the basics and i think this this is a big problem we're going to have to solve or figure a way around yeah it's bad when power overranks data exactly and mm. and yeah oh, this is a whole other podcast we could go itself. yeah i yeah. feel like i have a lot to say on this topic but i'm just gonna... sorry if you tuned out already all right number five <laughs> The last one I've got Not for you. Finish- quick fire. Oh, Sorry. no, I could go down that path all day. Yeah. All right, finish this sentence. The future yeah. of retail is? Mass customization. I think that we have the technology now with 3D printing and all sorts of other things to be able to make things that fit each human being on mass. Yeah, that's exciting. Mm, Especially really when is. you're out to um, solve medical devices for women. It sure is. Yeah. Beautiful. Alex, thank you for joining us on The Checkout. Thank you so much. To hear more from Alex, jump back into episode 123, where Alex talks us through her approach to product prototyping with her engineering background. We also discuss some of the ways Alex and her team are getting information on the size and the shape of Australian women's nipples, which includes getting flashed in public, just a standard day in the office. And totally unrelated, but very cool, Alex tells us about her time as a ski patroller where she had to use dynamite to trigger avalanches. Thanks for listening, and until next time, keep adding to cart. Cart.